as we find out more about what happened in Sri Lanka, the big terror attack that took place, over 360 people died. We, as Jews, can feel the pain, can not only sympathize, but empathize with those who are suffering there. The families who lost their loved ones, with those who got injured, the thousands who got injured, because we know what means terror attacks. We know how this taste, the, the pain of, the, of these tragedies. And what we can do in this time is to pray for them, and in general, have them in mind. Think about them. Sometimes people ask, "What does this help me? Helps the, what is the, what, what is the, is this a real help to to help somebody that I think about them, that I have them in mind? You want to help them, help them, send them something, do something, action. What is thinking, doing something to other people? That's the question. I want to share with you a story from 1930s in Russia. It was a Hasidic Jew that. He had a young family, he had three little children. And the idea that his kids would have to go to the communist schools, because at that time, it was already in Russia, the law was that uh, children must attend school. Sending his kids to this atheistic school, they were, what they were teaching in Soviet Union, in communism, they were teaching atheism. And on top of it, the kids would have to attend on Shabbat in school because it was only one day vacation. One day weekend, it was Sunday. On Shabbat, they would have to go to school. If they go to school, they'll have to write. And so on and on against Jewish law. The idea that they would have this kind of friends, obviously there was no kosher food in school. So on and on, drove him crazy. He decided he must leave Russia. But Achosi doesn't do anything meaningful in his life before he asks his, he asks his Rebbe. He wanted to talk to, to ask his Rebbe, but the Lubavitcher Rebbe at that time, in the early 1930s, was already out of Russia. He was expelled of Russia because he was a, against the government, because he created, what means against the government? He established underground Jewish uh, schools, Jewish day schools. He was helping people to observe Judaism. And at that time, that was the biggest crime against the communist government. He was arrested, but then was expelled. But by that time, he was in Riga, Latvia. Sending a letter to the Rebbe to ask him what to do was out of the question. What do you mean you're sending a letter? You're sending a letter to somebody who's against the government? You write away on the black on the blacklist. They checked every letter. They, it was, they censored everything. They knew everything was going on. One day, he meets a Jew that told him secretly that he's planning to escape Russia, to run away, to escape the borders, and he's going to go to Riga to see the Rebbe. It was a Hasidic Jew, another his friend. He told him, you're going to see the Rebbe, you have to promise me, you have to give me an handshake, that you're going to see, when you're going to see the Rebbe, you mention him, you tell him my story, tell him that I'm so stressed and upset about the future of my children, I want to leave Russia. And I ask for his advice and his blessing. 
He promised him, and he gave him a handshake. And the Chosid lived up to his word. A few weeks later, or maybe a month later, somehow a message came to, the, to this guy in Russia. The Rebbe said, you should go and apply for a permit to leave Russia. Going to apply for a permit, he heard the word, he got scared to death. When you, you go there to apply for a permit in this years, right away you lose your job. In top of it, they might send you even to the gulags, they might arrest you. How dare you have the chutzpah, you have the audacity to go to live, to want to live the most, the most blessed country in the world, the Soviet Union. He didn't know what to do. But the Rebbe told him to go to apply. It was called the Ovir office in Russia to go there. He went, he came to the office, he's telling the, the secretary that he wants to apply, he wants a permit to leave Russia. The guy looked at him, Santos came at him, live in Russia, forget about it, go home. He's leaving the office, he says, go home, he was happy. I thought he, I, he thought he would have to end up, he would have to go to Siberia. Going home sounds much better already. He went home. A while passes, and another Jew, he hears about another Jew, is leaving Russia. This time the guy somehow got a permit. He told him, you're going, if you're going to Latvia, and you'll see the Rebbe, please, Promise me, tell the Rebbe the story that I went and I tried and I don't know what to do and he should help me, he should give me advice and give me a blessing. A few months later, he gets a message. The Rebbe said he should apply again. He applies again, he's being denied again. So on it goes on. Seven times he applied for a permit to leave Russia. By the seventh time, they granted it to him. They gave him. He got the permit. He didn't even go home. He sent a messenger to his wife to tell her to come to meet him at the train station. He was afraid they might change their mind. His wife was a very strong Hasidic woman. And the first time the Rebbe told, he got a message and the Rebbe said, go to apply for a, for, for a permit to leave Russia, she had so much faith that, is, they are going, that it's going to work, that she packed a suitcase with all the clothing of the children that needed for the traveling, ready to go. That this, after seven times that he got a permit and he sent her the message, go, go come to the, to the, bring the kids and come to the strange station, she didn't have much, she, she didn't have much, she didn't have to waste time. She picked up the key, she hold on to the suitcase and she was leaving. They met at the train station, they left Russia. They arrived during the high holiday season of 1932 to Latvia. They attended the Rebbe's events. On Simchas Torah, Shmini Atzeret actually, the Rebbe was making a little fabringen, a gathering. And he spoke there about a concept that's called in Hebrew, Machshava Mo'elet. That when you think about another person, thoughts of love, you affect the other person. You help him. You help him psychologically, you help him spiritually. You might even help him physically. It makes him feel better. It might even good things come upon him when you, when you think about him. And he spoke, in, he spoke about it for a few minutes. And this Chosid from Russia was sitting by the table. And he had like a little, I would say, chutzpah. Oh, and he asked the Rebbe, 
Rebbe, you say that you're thinking about the other person that's helping him. What did what the other person gets out of it? The Rebbe told him, looked over, he told him a lot, a lot. And a few minutes later, the Rebbe eyed them and looked at them and told them, and we were you last year on Sukkot. So to speak, this that you came out from Russia thinks you happen you think it happened by itself? Don't you understand that I was thinking and praying about you? And that's why you left Russia? From this we see the power of thoughts. When we think about thoughts of love about somebody else, it has an effect. Today we are celebrating the seventh day of Pesach. Seven day of Pesach, the question is why is Passover seven days? Wouldn't be enough two days to eat matzah, three days, seven days. Why so long? The answer is the Jews actually left Egypt when they le- in the first day of Pesach. This is true, yes. And that's why we celebrate it. But they didn't become free people. You see, when Moses came to Pharaoh the first time, and he told them, let my people go. He told them, and they should serve, to go to the desert. He should let the, the Israelites go, serve in the desert, go for three days, serve in the desert. He never talked to him about leaving completely. That finally, when the Jews left Egypt, Pharaoh chased them out of Egypt. It's true. But he sent with them also policemen to make sure that they're coming back. After going three days in the desert, leaving Egypt, they left, if this year would be Saturday, Shabbat was the first day of Passover. By Tuesday, Wednesday, they started to tell them, let's go back. The Jews said, we are not going back. Started a fight. They ran back to Egypt to report to Pharaoh that the Israelites are not planning to come back. They continue to, tra- to travel. Pharaoh had a change of heart. He said, what are we crazy? We let them go out of Egypt. He mobilized his army. And he was running after the Jews to bring them back. And Pharaoh had a big army. Egypt was a superpower. They're running after the Jews. That's a whole nation going with babies, with elderly. Everybody's going to take so much longer to go. He was a nurses. The army was a nurses. They were, by the sixth day, means Thursday evening this year, they catched up to the Jews. The Jews are seeing that the Egyptians are coming from the back. They got very scared. They are still afraid of Egypt. Egypt is the strongest army. In front of them is the, the sea, and the two sides were mountains. In the back are coming the Egyptians. There is nowhere to run away. Then they, they turned to God. They started to cry out to God, God, what's it going to be? And complain to Moses, why you took us out of Egypt? To die in the desert? These are not enough graves in the desert. And on the night of the seventh, in the, in the, in the Friday morning, means the seventh day of Pesach, that was the splitting of the sea. And then what happened? And at that time, the Egyptians drowned in the sea, the whole army. Only then, the Jewish people actually became free people. Then they left Egypt the first day of Pesach, they became free people that nobody chased after them, nobody is controlling them on the seventh day of Pesach. That's why Passover is celebrated seven days.
And that's why there is a, the, the law is that every morning in the service, morning service, we recite the song of the sea, the song that the Jewish people were singing in the sea. After the splitting of the sea, we recite it every day by the prayers. Because if you want to remember Egypt, the real time they became free people was, under, was after the splitting of the sea. But that's why we're celebrating the seventh day. But there is still something very interesting. When we celebrate the seventh day of Passover, there is a prayer that's called Hallel. We say the Hallel service. It's a prayer that we praise God from the book of Psalms, certain chapters from the book of Psalms, that all praising God for the Exodus from Egypt. Then during this day of the Hallel, when we do the Hallel service, means praise of God, we are skipping two paragraphs. It's, we are saying it's called not the, we don't say the complete halal we say the half halal that's how it's called called because we skip two paragraphs why we skip two paragraphs on the seventh day of Pesach why we don't praise God completely why it's just praising but not all the way the Talmud something very interesting when the angels wanted to praise God for the splitting of the sea God turned to the angels and he told them my creatures the, the work of my hands is drowning in the sea and you are singing because God is not happy even when bad people suffer because they are also the creations of God how much more when we are now we are celebrating Passover but at the same time in a far country in Sri Lanka Sri Lanka there is so many people was good people, innocent people, who did never did anything wrong, or just attacked by terrorists. How much more that while we are celebrating here, we need to have them in our mind and pray for the good. And now thinking about them will do good to them too.